Well, good morning. We are thankful that you are here this morning for the good crowd assembled together and the opportunity we have not only to worship together, but to fellowship together as well. As has been said, we hope that you'll be back with us this evening, uh, not only as we uh, have a chance to worship God in song, but especially as well as we have a moment to fellowship together with our brethren from North Hamilton, enjoy time of being together. Already in our class this morning and here in adult classroom number one, we talked a lot about fellowship and the enjoyment that we get from that, the benefit that we get from that. And so we want you to know that we are glad that you are here. Appreciate so much uh, Jeff's prayer and encouragement for so many things here at Saudi, but for myself included. Sometimes as we think about the questions of life that come our way, they need answering. And already this week, I've had a couple of folks who in the last couple of weeks who've given me several questions and asked me if I would answer them, at least back to them, maybe some answers, some Bible answers, some things that we could look at together. And I've appreciated that opportunity. Sometimes it's beneficial to do things that way. I would enjoy sitting down with any of you as, as we have opportunity. Other times, we have a chance to look at things during the midst of a lesson or maybe a series of lessons. I actually have a series that I'd like for us to maybe look at later in the year or even actually maybe for a few weeks together and take a little break and come back to it. But the idea is kind of of why we believe, why we believe certain things, why we practice certain things. And of course, the bottom line answer is because that's what the Bible says, what God has told us to do. But some of those questions that we sometimes ask, we're unsure about. Why exactly is it that we act in this way or say this particular thing? Why do we partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week would be one of those and many other questions. But I appreciate the opportunity to answer those. And if you ever have any questions that you'd like to ask, we can talk, you can submit them. Uh, I've tried to say this and I may have not done it in a while, but if you ever have a sermon idea, anything you'd like for us to study, by all means, submit it to me and mention that you'd like to hear a lesson on this or think it might be a benefit to you because chances are, if you're not sure or you would like to know more, then maybe there's someone else in the audience that would benefit from hearing that lesson as well. That's exactly what we, what we want to do with our time together this morning. It's consider a question that maybe you've asked before. You know, it's kind of interesting to consider what a sad state it is to not be able to pray to God. The God of heaven, the God above, our Father, to not be able to pray to God and know that He hears you. It's a very sad condition to think about. And hopefully this morning, many of you are not in that position. But this is a question that sometimes that people ask, and maybe one of those questions that sometimes it's a little hard to answer, and so you want some help, you need some idea, maybe a, a place to start. And so this morning we want to examine this question together because I think it's pertinent to us to not only understand it to be able to help others, but maybe even to consider in our own lives, does God hear the prayers of sinners? What does the Bible have to say about it? First of all, this morning in John chapter 9 and verse number 31, the Bible says very plainly, now we know that God does not hear sinners. Well, maybe we could just stop there and sit down, all right? That's, that's it. God does not hear sinners. That answers our question for us. He goes on to say, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. God does not hear sinners. John chapter 9 and verse number 31. But we go on later to Acts chapter 10 and verse number 30, and we meet a man named Cornelius. Actually, Acts chapter 10 and verses 30 through 31, and we meet this man named Cornelius, and the Bible says there, as Luke records for us by inspiration, that Cornelius says four days ago, I was fasting unto this hour, and at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. 
And behold, a certain man, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Now, what's interesting about Cornelius is if you go a little further in Acts chapter 11 in verse number 14, as Peter is recounting what happens here, he says in verse number 14, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. So wait a minute. Cornelius says that I was praying in my household and I got an answer that said your prayer has been heard. But Peter says later that he told Cornelius, this is what you have to do to be saved. So Cornelius was a person who was not saved yet, but God heard his prayer. Does God hear the prayers of sinners? How can we reconcile these two things? Because John 9, 31 says one thing. Luke records for us something else in Acts 10. And, and again, what Peter says in Acts chapter 11. So does God hear the prayers of sinners? First of all, this morning, one of the things that we need to consider is the fact that words often have different meanings. Now, we know this. We, we use this concept in our everyday life, even if we don't actually recognize it when we do it. But oftentimes, words have different meanings. And that's kind of important as we consider this discussion this morning. If you've got your Bibles, look in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8. Paul is writing to those in Ephesus here, and he says in Ephesians 2 and verse number 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, and continuing on to verse number 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So let's examine, first of all, this idea of the word works together this morning. Paul is saying here that we are not saved by works of which we boast, not by works of which we boast. We're not saved, what he's saying is, by works of merit. So we are not saved by our works. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8. But again, in this examination, we go further, and we go over to James chapter 2 and verse number 24, and James says something that's a little different. James says something that you might even uh, consider to be the opposite of what Paul has to say in Ephesians chapter 2. James says in, in James 2, 24, you see that a man is justified by works. Justified by works and not by faith only. So again, it seems like a contradiction here. We, we seem like we've got a problem with the Bible, but we are not saved by works and we are justified by works. But of course, what James is talking about here is the talking about works of obedience. He's talking about works before God when we humbly obey and do his will. Is there a contradiction here? I would submit to you it might take a little more study, but no, there's no contradiction here. Paul is saying that we are saved not by works of, of, by which we boast, not by works of merit. James says that we are saved by works of obedience. The idea of works being a little bit different here. That words can have different meanings. But let's look at a, a second example. Let's go a little further. What about the word tent? Again, if you're there in the book of James, James chapter 1 and verse number 13. James says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Does God tempt a man? No, James says it's not possible that God does not tempt man. 
But we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 22 as Abraham is about to ascend on Mount Moriah and he's about to take that promised son of Isaac with him. He's going to go so far as to raise the knife in our mind up above his head to strike and kill his son and offer him as a sacrifice. In Genesis 22 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that God did, and the old King James says, tempt Abraham. Again, I have to kind of consider for a moment. James says that God tempts no man. Genesis 22.1 says that God tempted Abraham. Is there a confusion here? Is there a contradiction? How does that work? Well, when we go a little deeper and we think about the different meanings of words, in James chapter 1 and verse number 13, when James says that God tempts no man, he means that God does not seduce anyone to sin. God does not tempt man in that way. But when we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 1, when it says that the Lord did tempt Abraham, God did test Abraham's loyalty. The whole, the whole thing, the whole going up the mountain, the whole even getting so far as ready to strike and to kill his son was a test of Abraham's loyalty, or one might say a temptation or a tempting. But only in this sense did God tempt Abraham. You see, sometimes... Words have different meanings. We have to take the context. We understand that in light of the Bible. We would tell you not just to read one verse and look at what it says, but in context, what is the meaning? But we notice that sometimes words have different meanings. So I ask you again, does God hear the prayer of sinners? And we would notice from that brief discussion that we just had that sometimes it depends on how you define the word here. There are several ways that we talk about using the word here. One of those is that to perceive an audible sound. So does God hear? Well, absolutely. God hears. Let me ask you a question. Does God hear when you curse him or when a man curses God? Does God hear that? I would think so. So is God able to perceive sound? Yes, he is. God hears people. God hears Christians and God hears sinners. He's able to perceive audible sound. But a second definition is that God, or to hear sometimes, is to pay close attention to. We've got many moms in the audience. Have you ever been through that situation where the child is acting up and maybe you grab them by those cute little cheeks, although they're not so cute in the moment, and you hold their face real close and you say, do you hear what I'm telling you? There we're talking about to pay close attention to. Mom's saying, I told you not to hit your brother anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you hear me? Not that they're just listening and perceiving audible sound, but that they are paying close attention to. A third definition is we sometimes talk about the idea of does God hear is to favorably listen. To favorably listen. Now, this is what we're after. When we talk about God, does God hear the prayer of sinners? Does God hear, favorably listen to the prayers of sinners? So, first of all, sometimes words have different meanings, and sometimes it matters how we define the word hear. But secondly, this morning, sometimes the word sinner has different meanings. And this is important. This is almost, you might say, part of the crux of the discussion here. Sometimes it matters how we define the word sinner question for you this morning. Are you a sinner? Well, I think the answer is yes. First John chapter one and verse number eight says that if I say I do not sin, if I say I'm not a sinner, then I'm a liar. That's what John says. 
By inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that's what the Bible says, God's word. John says, if I say I don't sin, I'm a liar. So am I a sinner? Well, yeah, I'm a sinner. But at the same time, I wouldn't call you that. You know, I, I need to go home this afternoon and I need to take a light bulb and put a few light bulbs in the house. But that doesn't make me an electrician. Even next week, God willing, I'm going to go out to Bible camp and I, I'm going to put on a glove and I've even got this uh, cool pair of baseball pants that I wear because I think I'm younger than I am. And I, I'm going to go out in the baseball field, but that doesn't make me a baseball player any more than anything else. I wouldn't call you a sinner because we can't say that we don't sin because that makes us a liar. But I don't know that I would call each person here a sinner. So what do we mean when we define the word sinner? Let's talk about four definitions here. First of all, sometimes there are people who are Christians... Christians, and each one of these words, in a sense, is important, but Christians who are trying to live a faithful life, who are following God's word, but do have weaknesses. So I ask you again, does God hear the prayers of sinners? Does God hear the prayers of these people? Christians trying to live a faithful life, trying to do what God wants them to do, but have weaknesses and mess up. And the answer is yes. These are people who are in a covenant relationship through Jesus Christ with God the Father who occasionally sin. Does God hear the prayers of sinners? I think the answer here is yes. God hears the prayers of these people, this group of so-called sinners. But that's not what we're talking about. When we ask the question, as we start at the beginning of our lesson, that's, that's really what people say, that that's not what they're talking about. But this is certainly a category of people, those who are Christians trying to do what's right, but who mess up, because we all mess up. Secondly, a second group of people is the non-Christians who are not rebellious, but ignorant. Not rebellious, but ignorant. We've already talked about one of these situations in Acts chapter 10. As we met Cornelius, we don't have time to go through his whole story, but if you remember Cornelius, he was a man who feared God, who gave alms and prayed to God. We would say he's a good person, a good man. But we already noticed that when he was praying, he wasn't a Christian. So Cornelius would be a non-Christian who's not necessarily being a rebellious person, but he's ignorant of what he needs to do. Another occasion that we meet just before that in Acts chapter 9 is Saul before he becomes Paul. Now Saul was doing many terrible things, but when we meet Saul, Saul is not saved instantaneously on that road to Damascus. In fact, he is told to, that he will go and he will be told what needs to be done. He will hear those things, but during that time he is praying. So he is praying, but he's not yet saved. So sometimes we meet people who are rebellious, or excuse me, not rebellious, but ignorant. We would call these people people who maybe fear God, but are uninformed. And there is a sense in which they are heard. We already looked at that just a moment ago in Acts chapter 10 and verses 30 and 31, that Cornelius is told, your prayers have been heard. And Cornelius was not a Christian yet, as we already noticed just a moment ago. Now, in our world today, it seems like many people are in the extreme. There's not too many people who are uninformed about the Bible and about God. But yet, it's the case, as it certainly was the case during the first century, that there might be people who are not rebellious but are ignorant of what they need to do. And the question, along with does God hear the prayers of sinners, is do these people enjoy the same blessings? And the answer to that question is no. 
We know that Paul tells those in Ephesus as well in Ephesians 1.3 that all spiritual blessings are in Christ. So if this person is not in Christ, they do not enjoy the same blessings that a Christian does, such as being heard. But it may not be that they're living a rebellious life. I ask you again, does God hear the prayers of sinners? What depends on how you define the word sinners? A third category this morning is people who are in what we might even call open rebellion to God. These are people that we would say they know the Bible, but they choose not to follow. Now, again, in our world of technology today, in our world of printing today, there are many people who are aware of the Bible. They know it's out there, and they probably even know that God says you're supposed to live a good life, but they choose not to follow. In Proverbs chapter 28 and verse number 9, the Bible says, One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Even his prayer is an abomination. Now, I would notice and say here that this is the person who says to God, I need you when I need you. I'm going to do what I want to do most of the time. I'm not going to follow what you've told me to do, but I want you to hear my prayers. This is the person who shakes their fist at God and says, why won't you hear me, even though the rest of the week they're not doing anything to follow after his will and his word. People who are in open rebellion to God. And I would say, even off of that last statement there on the screen, that it's highly possible and maybe even 100% true that the prayers of this person makes God sick. It makes him physically sick in the sense that he can be as a spirit, but it makes him sick to try to listen to the prayers of people who would be asking something of him, yet living their life in a different way. Suppose I choose to live in a moral life. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. It's just the way it is. God says, and we talked about this Wednesday night for a few moments, but I, I would rather you be hot or cold and not lukewarm. We're talking about people who will do what they want to do seven days a week, six days a week, but come to the church building on Sunday. I mean, we can fit all kinds of people in this category, but who live in open rebellion to God, but then want to ask him of things when they need him. You know, in a lesson similar to this done by Brother Glenn Colley, he, he relayed a story that I'd share with you this morning about a bar in Birmingham. And he said, of course, I just heard of this. He couldn't actually confirm it to be true, but uh, I just would say he called it a topless bar. A, a topless bar in Birmingham that was there, and this was during the time of the Gulf War, and they had a sign out front. And the sign out front of the bar said, please pray for our troops. Now, it's funny. It's kind of humorous to think about. It sounds almost ludicrous to us that people would act in such a way. But, but let me ask you, does God hear that prayer? What if, the, what if the people inside, what if the people inside the bar stopped? And turned down the music and they quit the dancing and they quit the music and they said, hey, guys, let's all stop for a moment and bow our heads in prayer and pray to God to be with our troops. Does God hear that prayer? That's one of those questions that makes us maybe a little uneasy. We don't like to consider that. But that's one of the groups that we're talking about when we ask this question. 
And then fourth and finally this morning in this particular point, does God hear the prayers of sinners? We're talking about sometimes a Christian who wanders away. We know that 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 20 warns against this. Peter says, for if after they escape the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. So there, there are people here who have done what's right, escaped the world, but have been entangled again. So that's, that's a possibility, a Christian who wanders away. 1 John 1, as we already talked about a few moments ago, verses 8 and 9, says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful. And he is just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've talked about this in a lesson on God's second law of pardon, that, that God wants to forgive us. He wants to hear that prayer that we would pray if we are a Christian and we wander away. We can repent as long as we have time upon this earth. We can repent of that sin. Does God hear the prayers of this person? I would think so. They may not be being faithful in the exact moment, but they're trying to get back to the right path. They're trying to get to where they need to be. And God says that if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to do that, to hear and to forgive. Does God hear the prayers of sinners? Well, it depends on how you define the word here. It depends on how you define the word sinner as well. A couple of important notes here as we begin to conclude our thoughts. And this is a very, very important note. God never saves anybody as a direct result of their prayers. God never saves anybody as a direct result of their prayers. Many of you are here quite often, so you may be familiar with the phrase alien sinners. I don't have to explain that that's not a person from Mars or Jupiter, but as we would say, a foreigner, a foreigner to Christ, a person who is foreigner to a child of God, a person who is a sinner. God never saves anybody, a person who is lost, a foreigner to Christ, a sinner, as a direct result of their prayers. Because you see, sometimes this is what we're after. We have to understand context. And when a person says, hey, preacher, hey, Christian, does God hear the prayers of sinners? A lot of times what they're after is this kind of point. This is an important note. Why is it important? Well, because one thing, it's the most common doctrine in religion today. It's one of the most common things that is shared among people. But it's just not true. It's just not true that God hears the prayers of alien sinners and saves them directly because of that prayer. And again, this is an important note because it is so prevalent in our society. So it behooves us to talk for a few moments about that. Maybe you've heard something along the lines of this, a prayer of commitment. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And sometimes you can find them in little pamphlets or little cards that are handed out. Or you'll see it on the screen at the end of the service. And people will ask the people there to say this. It's all you've got to do is say this. And you can be a saved person by inviting Jesus into your heart. The problem this morning, of course, folks, is there's not one single bit of that really that's, that's in the Bible, at least not in regards to our salvation. I mean, I see repentance there. I want to turn from my sins. But there's not one line in it that talks about this is the way that a person is saved. In fact, the Bible says the exact opposite is true. 
The Bible says that this is not the way that a person becomes saved. Along the same lines of of ways that we confuse this or reasons that people might ask this question, sometimes Luke chapter 18 and verse number 13 is used. You may recall in Luke 18 there that we're reading about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And they're praying. And of course the Pharisee is standing there on the street corner with his hands raised and he's praying this great prayer that that everyone can hear, not just God, but that, that any person within a five mile radius can hear him praying as he stands there with his hands raised before God. And in contrast, Jesus talks about the tax collector. The tax collector in Luke chapter 18 and verse number 13 is a man who says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And so sometimes people will say, well, hey, there's a guy who's praying to God for the forgiveness of his sin. So maybe it's possible. Maybe that prayer of commitment that we just looked at is important and we need to think about it. Because here is a guy who prays this prayer. And not only that, but Jesus says that he gets some some commending for it. That, that he is better than the guy who's standing there praying with his hands raised. The problem, of course, with that is the fact that it is that man in Luke 18 and verse 13 wasn't trying to become a Christian. The guy who says, God be merciful to me, a sinner, he's not trying to become a Christian. In fact, there's nothing that he could have done to become a Christian right there. Because he well, couldn't become a Christian at all yet. Jesus hadn't even died on the cross. It didn't exist. Christianity in the church at that point. So he's not trying to become a Christian. So to use him as an example, of course, is as many people do, just simply grasping at straws. To pray a prayer, nowhere in the Bible is that found that a person can be saved. So as we consider this question again, one more time, does God hear the prayers of sinners? Well, let's look at it in light of our definitions this morning. Does God favorably acknowledge and answer The prayers of those who are Christians living in him who because of weakness commit sin? The answer is undoubtedly yes. God does. We talked about two different categories of people. Even one who wanders away, who might be trying to come back to him. Yes, God hears and favorably acknowledges and answers the prayers of those who are being faithful unto him. Those who mess up, yes. But those who are trying to be faithful to him. Let's ask it again. Does God favorably acknowledge and answer the prayers of those who are living in open rebellion to his will? And then they decide to stop and pray? I think the answer has to be no in that favorable sense. God does not hear those prayers and then answer them in that sense. Because we cannot openly live in rebellion to God, essentially slapping him in the face day after day doing what we want to do. And expect just to turn to him and say, hey, I need you now. I really need you to take this that I'm going to ask you for and answer. Does God hear the prayers of those sinners? Not in a favorable way. We're familiar with Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God. My iniquities have separated me from God. And our sins have hidden his face from us so that he will not hear that verse in light of John in light of Acts in light of everything we've talked about carries with it this idea that yes God wants to hear the prayers of people he will do that he has promised to do that but there is a relationship that has to be a part of that as well we cannot live our lives in open rebellion to him doing what we want to do Maybe you're here this morning, and as we conclude this lesson, you have to ask yourself, does God hear 
my prayers. Well, it matters how we define here. It matters how you live your life. And this morning, as we conclude this lesson, we'll be singing this song that's been selected in just a moment to encourage you. Maybe you are living in open rebellion to God, and you're saddened by recognizing that he might not hear your prayers. You can make a change this morning. You can come to him. You can put on Christ in baptism, thereby enjoying all spiritual blessings. First and foremost, allowing him to add you to his church, washing away your sins with his blood. You can do that this morning. And you can leave and you can pillow your head this night knowing confidently that, yes, God will hear and answer my prayers. Maybe you're here this morning, you're in that fourth category of people that we talked about, a Christian who has wandered away. You've done what's right in becoming a Christian, but you've turned your back on God. And as Isaiah says, it's our sins that separate us and you need to come back to him. You need to do, as John talks about there in 1 John 1, repenting, confessing to God, asking for forgiveness and as sure as I'm standing here, and John said it, he is faithful. God will hear your prayers. He will forgive you. And you can begin living that covenant relationship, that faithful life to him. This morning, maybe you're here and you're struggling with something else. Maybe you need the prayers of fellow Christians to help you. We're thankful that we serve a God who sets standards, who makes a relationship possible, and tells us how to be a part of that. God hears the prayers of people, those who are faithful. And those who would be coming back to him. But we have to be careful when we say that he hears everyone and answers in a favorable sense. Because he does not want us to continue living in sin. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to change that. Either by becoming a Christian or coming back to him. We'll be singing to encourage you as we stand together and as we sing. Behold a stranger at the door He gently knocked, has knocked before His waited long, is waiting still You treat no other friend so but will he prove a friend indeed? He will the very friend you need. The man of Nazareth is he with garments dyed at Calvary. O lovely attitude he stands with melting heart in his hands. O matchless kindness and he shows this matchless kindness to his foes. Admit him for the human breast, never entertain so kind a guest. No mortal tongue their joys can tell with her become 
descends to 